got to rush up here because my soul is good because I serve God. Amen, somebody? And I want you to know that your soul is also good because God is still alive. Happy Sabbath, everybody. It is good to see you and welcome you. I welcome you to JCC, though your happy Sabbath was a little dead, but that's fine. I, I hope it will pick up as we go together today. Beyond reality, this is what I've been harping on now for the last eight weeks. Uh, don't worry, uh, next week is the last week of all of this. But if you have been paying close attention, you realize I've taken a little bit of a turn. And I've started to talk about stuff that is keeping or will keep you from living beyond reality. And what we understood last week is that if you keep telling yourself you can't touch this, if you block God from touching certain areas of your life, you cannot live beyond reality. I want to dance again today in Isaiah chapter 9. And if you got your Bibles, kindly turn to Isaiah chapter 9 and stand with me for the reading of God's word. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 13. Kindly stand with me as we read God's word together. It's good to see you, Kresge. After a long, long time, Stephanie, it's good to see you. I saw y'all. It's good to see you. And little Keanu, you're here too. Good to see you too, buddy. Good to see you. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 9 and verse number 13. Watch what it says. And if you're paying attention, I, I talked about something else from this passage last week. This is what it says. The people, the northern kingdom, the bullies we talked about last week, did not turn to him who struck them, nor inquire of the Lord of hosts. Elder Ernest, this passage is that kind of passage where a father disciplines a child and expects a child to change. But this happens in this passage. Nothing happens. Right? The text says the Lord disciplined his people, but nothing happens. So you know what God does? Watch this. The Lord cut off from Israel head and tail, palm branch and reed in one day. The elder and honored man is the head, and the prophet who teaches lies is a tail. In other words, when you don't get what God is trying to tell you, God turns up the pressure. Brother Jeff, he makes it a little bit more harder. Notice what it says. For those who guide this people have been leading them astray. And those who are guided by them are, are swallowed up. Therefore, the Lord does not rejoice over their young men. And has no compassion over their fatherless and widows. For everyone is godless and an evildoer. Not doer, doer. And every mouth speaks folly. For all this, his anger has not turned away, and his hand is stretched out still. Do you see where it came from? Let us pray. Father God, speak to us now. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> you know... This is a very common scene out in these streets in Jakarta. Motorbikes everywhere. You know, it can be frustrating dealing with motorbikes on the street. Anybody? <laughs> right? 
motorbikes seem to function like they have no rules on the street. <laughs> they can zigzag. <laughs> they can U-turn. And sometimes you, you have checked your side view mirror. It, it, it looks clear that you can turn left. But just before you hit that left, a motorbike just goes, woo! And you're like, woo! <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and some of you, Sister Charmaine, are afraid to drive in Jakarta because of motorbikes. Because you cannot handle <laughs> the stress. And since I am a resident of Jakarta, now four years running, I decided to do a little research to discover why motor, motorbikes function the way that they function. <laughs> so I interviewed some locals, and this is what I discovered, my brother Leo. The IDP, I didn't say IDR, <laughs> the IDP, or what I call the Indonesian driving philosophy, says this. And it might be correct, it might be wrong, but it's my research. I'm just reporting to you my findings. You can fight against them if they're not correct. But the IDP says, the bigger the vehicle, the more responsibility that it has to the smaller vehicle. Is that correct? <laughs> so if I'm in a car driving on Gatsu, or driving on Jalan Mansur, or Gatsu Sobroto, I just said that. If I'm on Sudirman and I see a motorbike, because I'm in a car, I have the responsibility, Sister Pam, to be careful of the motorbike. If I just make the mistake of hitting that motorbike, I'm going to be crowded. Even though the motorbike is wrong, I'm wrong. That's the IDP. <laughs> It doesn't sound fair to me, but that's the IDP. We're in Indo, y'all. <laughs> get ready. Get used to it. So I said, oh, that, that's how it functions? He says, yes, pastor. Please make sure you do not hit a motorbike because that'll be the day you wish to fly out of Indo. <laughs> and having understood this, my anxiety has diminished. Having understood this, I... I now know where the motorbikes are coming from. And because I now know the mentality that they are coming from, I have less anxiety, I have less peace. And I think that, Sister Nova, there is something we can, we can squeeze from this idea as we're leaning into our concept of beyond reality, that if we only understand where some things are coming from, we're going to be more at peace. You see, some of us are good at hugging the calamity. We're good at hugging the disease. We're good at hugging the, 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 the low income. We're good at hugging the problems in our lives that we are so stuck on the problem that we don't see where it is coming from. And because we don't see where it is coming from, we're anxious. We are troubled. We are confused. We're perplexed. Pastor, pray for me. Is God there? Does he understand? But I believe that if you and I can understand where things are coming from, why things happen that we don't expect, but they happen anyway, if you and I can only appreciate, I believe <laughs> that you can sidestep the cancer. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> I believe that you can sidestep the debt. You're not feeling me. I believe that you can sidestep the loss of a loved one. 
if you understand where it is coming from. So allow me to lean into this idea this morning. And let me just drop this at you at the very beginning. You know, I like to work with you a little slowly to get you my points. But today I'm just going to be upfront and clear with you at the very, very beginning. Here is what I need you to get at the very beginning of this thing. You need to learn to see the physical, to see beyond the physical to the spiritual. I'm going to say amen for you. Amen for JCC, Lord. You've got to get to the place that you're able to see your situation and look beyond it. Okay, you guys are not feeling me yet. That's cool. I'm going I'm to continue working. You see, I, I mind this idea looking at verse number 13, Brother Sam. Notice what it says. The people did not turn to him who struck them, nor inquire of the Lord of hosts. What the text is saying is like this. God is bringing calamity on his own people. His objective is to get them to turn, but they don't turn, Dr. Regina. Notice what God is trying to do. He's trying to get them to turn. In other words, this is a biblical language of saying, repent, change your life, do something different. That's what God is trying to do. <laughs> The Bible says that God is hitting them so that they can seek him. But the people, they don't take a U-turn. They continue going straight. And what I've learned is that sometimes, instead of taking a U-turn in seasons of calamity, we often go straight without getting the message from God. You're asking yourself, Lord, I'm not progressing Lord, I'm still not promoted yet. Lord, 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 my family hasn't expanded as I hoped. I'm still childless, Lord. I'm not making the money I wish to make. My degree and where I am, they seem to be in a complex relationship, Lord. Maybe God is sending a message to you. But instead of you taking a U-turn, you're saying, no, I'm going to fight harder. <laughs> I'm going to continue to apply. I'm going to continue to take the diet pills. I'm going to continue to run. God is saying, no, no, you don't need to run. You don't need the diet pills. I need you to take a turn. Don't go straight. You're going to destroy yourself. Let's do a U-turn. Because I need you to know something today, that there is such a thing as a God-sent adversity. And some of you today are in the university called God-sent adversity. You see, I need to tell you about a woman. Her name is Sarah Edwards. She, she lost her husband. Her husband was a known theologian. But when she heard the news of losing her husband, I want you to listen to what she said. Forgive me, I didn't put it on the screen, but I just want you to see what she says. Notice how she says, what shall I say? A holy and good God has covered us with a dark cloud. Oh, that we may kiss the rod of discipline and lay our hands on our mouths. The Lord has done it. He has made me adore his goodness that we had my husband so long, but my, my God lives. <laughs> My God lives and he has my heart. Ah, 
Oh, what a legacy my husband and your father has left us. We are all given to God. And there I am. And love to be. <laughs> that is a woman who was able to see beyond her calamity. She says, I want to enjoy what God gave me through my husband. I want to enjoy the fact that he was here, he lived, he breathed. I had, a, I had time to hug him. I had time to go places with him. But he is gone. But because he is gone, I'm not going to go away from God. Because he's not here, I'm not going to turn my back on God. Because God is still good. God is still kind in my struggle. And brother and sister, you got to get to the place that God is still good when it is bad. God is still good when you're in pain. God is still good when you don't like it. And then you don't turn from God because things haven't turned your way. You don't start to droop your head because the pain and the burdens are so heavy. You got to be able to say, God, I don't care what happens to me. I may be slain. I may be taken out. But nobody's taking my heart from you, Lord. I'm not going nowhere. I'm going to stick with you, Lord, because I understand what you are trying to do in my life. You need uh, that spiritual sight to be able to see through your calamity. And unless you get there, brother and sister, faith, you're going to be crying all the time. You're going to be, or anyone asking, why is God so unfair all the time? Uh, you're going to be saying, man, they are so blessed and I'm so cursed. But when you can be able to see, no, God is still here. <laughs> Even though I've been fired. God is still here even though I've been divorced. God is still here even though they don't like me. God is still here <laughs> even though the money ain't coming. God is still here even though I'm in pain. You are going to be able to make it. I told you about the IDP. The Indonesian driving philosophy because I'm trying to help you to see God's relational philosophy. Because sometimes what God has to do is that God has to squeeze you to open your eyes. And this is what God is trying to do with the people of Israel. He, he is striking them because their eyes, they are dim. I want to give you something theological right now, and it is this. When God is striking you, it's because he is showing his wrath. And what God's wrath does is it teaches us that grace doesn't sunbathe with sin. Everyone got it. The rest of you are going to catch up in a minute. You see, God loves you so much. His grace is so good that he cannot put up with you if you're living in sin. You, you see, I don't know how I can put this. I don't like durian that much because I didn't grow up in Asia. I'm not Asian. You know what I mean? So I didn't grow up with it. So it's not in my system. You know what I mean? I'm not hating on durian. Please don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not hating on durian. In fact, I've tasted it three times. One time I wanted to impress a girl. Mm, it, didn't, it didn't go well. But the two times I just, you know, I just, I just had to try it. You know, from a little, you know what you do sometimes when you want to impress a girl. You feel me? I'm not hating on durian. But sometimes when I smell durian, I... How do you guys say it? Bango? Huh? Bau? See, that's how God 
looks at your sin. When he sees sin in your life, in my life, it repulses him. It makes him want to throw up. To you, it's a little white lie. For God, that cost his son. To you, it's, I don't feel like it today. But to God is, you're, not, you're ungrateful. So God says, Bahu. So, so you and I don't fully realize how bad sin is. In fact, sin is, is so sweet. That's why we like to do it. <laughs> I don't know about you, but all the sins that I do, I like them. <laughs> you know what I mean? They are sweet. Otherwise, you wouldn't want to do sin. You, you understand what I'm saying? So for you and I, we don't understand this. But for God, this is offensive. Therefore, God needs to do something to wake us up. Oftentimes, what God has to do is to send his wrath. God has to change things in our life. God has to, 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 to mess up the plan so that he can wake us up from the, the fact that we are hugging our sins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> some of us, we hug our sins. There are some people, if you, if you just change a little bit on their desk, some of you, you just move something on their desk. Hey, why, why did you mess up my desk? <laughs> some of us are holding on to our sins like that. Our pride is so nice. We don't want to let it go. If people tell us about that, no, that, that's who I am. Who are you to talk to me like that? So sometimes what God has to do is to send things in your life to wake you up. To tell you, hey, stop hugging it so much. That critical attitude is not helping you. Let it go. Then I visited to work with other people. Let it go. That mouth that is so sharp, let it go. And so sometimes God has to get us to the place where we're on our knees and say, Lord, I don't know where else to go, but please help me. Uh, a lot of times I'm amazed. Look at this. I'm amazed by little monkeys. You guys watch monkey videos? They're all over you. Oh. <laughs> Sister Dita is laughing because she said, yeah, Pastor, I watch those monkey videos. I watch monkey videos. Monkey videos are funny because you see those baby monkeys, uh, Brother Kresge, they... they they find a way to be naughty. And man, mother monkeys don't mess around. <laughs> you know what the baby monkey does? Baby monkey don't run away from the mother. Baby monkey, what does he do? He runs to the mother. In fact, the baby monkey hugs the mother even more. Because the baby, mother under, the baby monkey understands, my mother is all I've got. My mother is my only security. My mother is my only option. i got nobody else. And therefore, I'm not going to run from my mother. I'm going to run to my mother. <laughs> Let me drop it like this. You need to learn that in all your afflictions, the way to run from God is to run to God. That's why God is troubling your life and messing you up because he's saying, come back. Putar balik. Jangan lurus, putar balik. Come back. Pastor, I have anxiety. I cannot sleep at night. Go to God. Pastor, I have a disease in my body. It's terminal. Go to God. Pastor, I'm struggling at the office. Go to God. They don't understand me. Go to God. Pastor, you don't understand the desires in my heart. I want to do 
with I understand. Go to God. And as you run to God, you're going to run from God. God doesn't get tired. He doesn't get tired. And as long as you're running away from him, he's going to continue to chase you. I don't know about you, but I get tired. And somebody under the sound of my voice is running from God. God is telling you, you turn. God is telling you, stop it. God is telling you, don't go there. And you keep running, you keep running. I'm telling you, there is no peace for you. Any day of the week, any place you go to, you, you can go to the U.S., you can go to Africa, you can go to outer space with Jeff Bezos. God is going to find you. Some of you at night, you know what you do at night? When you know you have messed up, you have done that thing again, you know what you do? You hide into your sheets and say, Lord, let me see another day. But the moment you wake up, it's right knocking at your door. You know what you did yesterday? I know what you did yesterday because God doesn't give up. Now, with that said, let me drop this to you again. You see, spiritual sight is not automatic. A lot of times God has to perform surgery. Notice what the text says. So the Lord cut. Dr. Regina, you're going to get this. The Lord cut. The text says the Lord cut from Israel head and tail, palm branch, and reed in one day. Now, now, Lord, why, why are you cutting this up? Why, why are you cutting them off? Because the people are not getting it yet. So what God is doing is adding up the pressure, making it more difficult because God doesn't give up. Then we begin to understand who the elder and the honored man is. Watch this. The elder and the honored man is the head, and the prophet who teaches lies is a tail. It continues, for those who guide these people have been leading them astray, and those who are guided by them are swallowed up. So this is the beautiful thing. The reason why God is performing surgery is because these people are depending on something that is not allowing them to see. <laughs> see, that, that's, that's something. But let me replay that. You see... God is cutting away their leadership. He's cutting away their leaders because these leaders are not allowing them to see what is going on in their life. So God is recognizing that there's a blind spot in their life. And the only way that God can clear away that blind spot is that he must take it away. That is why sometimes God will allow you to be kicked out of the group because the group is not allowing you to see. That is why God will take away your influence because the influence is not allowing you to see. <laughs> that is why God will sometimes make you in a, put you in a situation in which the people you depended on betray you because God wants you to see. And I never thought they could do that to me. I never thought they would say that to me because God is helping you to see. Because you and I have blind spots. And if there's anything you know about cars... Cars come with side view mirrors. Are we together? They come with rear view mirrors. Because naturally, a human being is able to see forward. But they don't have the capability. I'm saying they. We don't have the capability to see on the side and to see 
on the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the right side and to see in the back. So sometimes God will allow you to lose something so that he can install a mirror in your life to be able to see what you need to see. God will take it away so that you can see what you don't see. Aren't you glad this morning? That God loves you so much that he will trouble your life. He will change things around so that you can see what you need to see. And I believe that one of you, some of you, somebody today is in a season to see. God is saying, this is your mirror. (laughs) I'm the only one you have got. They have left you. (laughs) I'm your mirror. (laughs) You thought you could lean on your family. (laughs) But when you had the dead, nobody came for you. (laughs) Who you got there? You thought he or she could never leave you, but they left. Who's your mirror now? Oh, Lord, I I now understand. So, brother and sister, appreciate the struggle. (laughs) Appreciate the difficulty. (laughs) Appreciate the fact that it ain't working out because God is working it out. God is helping you. God says, I want my son to see. I want him to know. And so I love God that he wants me to see. And what I love about God is that when God does the surgery, he's not doing it because he wants to be punitive or to be, to be pity. God is doing it because he wants to be corrective. He wants to change things. And I want you and I to walk through verse 17, and I'm going to be in my seat in a minute. Uh, notice what the text says. Therefore, the Lord does not rejoice over their young men and has no compassion of their fatherless and widows. See, Bernard, it's not every day you see a frown from God. When you look at this text, God is frowning. God is upset. I've never, I mean, this is the first time. No, that's not the first time. But this is one of the few times I've ever come across God acting like this. Notice what the text is saying. God is not rejoicing. He's frowning. And notice who he's frowning over. He's frowning over the young men. In other words, the inexperienced. Who don't know life yet. He's frowning over them. The text continues. And has no compassion over their fatherless and widows. Now, this really made me pause. Because... God is the God who helps the helpless and the weak. Those who don't have money, those who are broke, those who are widows, who can't provide themselves. Those are the people God likes to take over, to to look over. But in this text, God says, I have no compassion for them. Which tells me that sometimes God will keep his mercy in his pocket. You keep it in his pocket or in his wallet. (laughs) I like to keep money in my my wallet, don't you? (laughs) I don't like to spend (laughs) So sometimes God will say, no, mercy today, you're staying right here. I know they are broke. I know they don't got money. I know they are suffering disease. I know they are praying. I know they are fasting. But mercy stay in my pocket. God is like that. Pastor, I've been praying for 10 years. I understand. But it could be God simply say, "Mm -mm, my pocket is closed today. Not open for business. 
And, and the good thing is that the text helps us to understand why God sometimes has to keep it in his pocket. Because the text says, for everyone is godless. Everyone is an evildoer. Everyone is speaking foolishness. And what this text is saying is this. From the elders and the prophets and the young men and the fatherless and the widows, everyone in the nation has decided to make sin king. Has decided to dethrone, to dethrone God from the throne. And therefore God is no longer in the life of the people. And therefore God cannot act. Notice what they have done. They are Godless. In other words, God is less in their plans. God is less in their careers. God is less in their family life. God is less in their children rearing. God is less in their business exploits. God is less. It's not that they don't know God. <laughs> They've just lessened him. And Lord knows, many of us, it's not that we don't know God. <laughs> we know God. But God is just less in our lives. So when God is less in your life, he also cannot give you what he wants to give you. And therefore, sometimes God is saying, I want to give this to you, but you don't deserve it. Because I'm not at the place I should be in your life. And notice how the text says, for all this, his anger is not turned away. And his hand is stretched out still. Simply, God is saying, I'm angry. I'm angry. So when I'm angry, my compassion is less. Yo, yo, you guys get angry real quick, right? You go to zero, you go from zero to 60 just because somebody stepped on your foot. I used to be like that in high school. When I had new shoes, don't dare step on my foot because we're going to fight. Somebody says something wrong to you, you get angry. But this is not God. That's not how he behaves. He doesn't just flip off like that. His anger is deep. His anger is, 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 is something that we need to understand if we're going to truly appreciate his grace. Oh yeah, you love the dying Jesus. You love the miracle working Jesus. But today I came to tell you about the angry God. The God who is willing to push you. The God who is willing not to answer your prayers. You see, what I understood about God's anger is that God's anger has instrumental value. <laughs> I'm about to drop something for you. God's anger has instrumental value. So, we own things in our life because they have instrumental value. You're wearing a mask today, Sister Madeline, because that mask is protecting you. That's instrumental value. Are you feeling what I'm saying? You have the mask because it is helping you. I have my shoes because they are helping me. You're sitting on a chair because it is helping you. That's what it means to have instrumental value. The anger of God also has instrumental value. And what is that instrumental value? Is that it allows us to purchase his grace. <laughs> it allows us to know that we need him. So when he's angry, God is saying, it's time for you to buy my grace. It's time for you to get something from me. Now, we all have been to that place 
that we've been angry. Suppose somebody's angry at you because you didn't call them for two weeks. They come to you. Hey, Kiki, why didn't you call me for two weeks? And you're like, you know what, bro? Or you can say Abang or Kaka. You know what? Um, The last two weeks, I lost my job. I lost a loved one. And I'm sick. So I've been dealing with a lot. That's why I didn't call you. So you look at their anger as unjustified. They have no, no justification to be angry at you. Because they don't understand what you've been through. But suppose, Kiki, it's Keanu. Daddy didn't call me for two weeks. Oh, son, you know, I've gone through this, I've gone through that, I've gone through this. Yeah, Dad, I know you went through this and that, but I'm still your son. So at that particular moment, you'll be like, yeah, Keanu, your anger is justified. And what you normally do, you want to purchase grace from the one you have offended. You say, I'm sorry. In fact, you go a step further and you say, I'm going to take you out to the mall. I want to make it up to you. See, you and I, when we look at God getting angry, it's because his anger is justified. It's because what we have done is an offense to his character. It's an offense to his holiness. And therefore, we don't say, Lord, my pride is good. No, we say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me for my pride. <laughs> we don't say, Lord, the fact that I'm not, I'm not willing to give, that's the Lord. No, we say, Lord, forgive me. We ask for forgiveness. Unfortunately, you can start playing, my brother. Unfortunately, we can't purchase his grace because we need to die for what we have done. Even if you tell God, God, I'm sorry, I'll make it up to you, I'll be a better person, I will change, none of that is good enough. I'm going to be a vegetarian. It ain't good enough. I'm going to start coming to church. It ain't good enough. I'm going to serve. It ain't good enough. I'm going to go to Papua and serve. No, it ain't good enough. There is nothing you can do to purchase grace from God. Nothing. So what God does is he purchased it for us. Ish. He sent Jesus <laughs> to purchase grace. The Bible says at the cross, mercy and grace kissed each other. <laughs> the Bible says at the cross, it was God reconciling the world to himself. The Bible says at the cross, God gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes should not perish but have everlasting life. And I want to throw somebody an olive branch today that God has that grace and mercy for you today. It don't matter what it is. It don't matter what you've done. It don't matter how bad it is. 
I don't need you to tell me. You don't need to put it on the paper. You don't need to come to the church and say, I did this. No, you can purchase grace. You can simply say, God, I need you. (laughs) I know you're angry at me, but thank you for your grace. And I need it today. So you see, I hope you can see it today. I hope you can see where it is coming from today. I hope you can see that to God what matters is your salvation than your status. To God what matters is your salvation than likes on Facebook. To God what matters is not children and your salvation is what matters. And if God must disrupt your life and make you feel like things are not working out to save you, God is going to do that. And if you're going to live beyond reality, you must say, God, I want salvation because salvation is your ticket to living beyond reality. In fact, the moment you are saved, you live beyond reality because this world is not your home no more. Death is not your problem no more. Disease is not your problem no more. (laughs) Family conflicts are not your problem no more because God is preparing a place for you. (laughs) Let me end it on this. And I want to talk to two people. Today you came here disappointed in God. You are facing so many difficulties and challenges. But today you have seen that no, God is working something out. And you like to say, Lord, I will trust you. Because you got my back. I don't know how it's going to play out. I don't know how it's going to look like. But God, you got my back. And I want to trust you no matter what. Is there somebody like that today? I want to trust you, Lord. I want to trust you. The second person I want to talk to today is you've realized that your sins make God angry. And you know that there's a sin in your life that you know you need to let go. God's anger is on you. But today you like to say, you know what? I want to purchase grace. (laughs) Is anybody like that? I want to purchase grace. Anybody like that? I want to purchase grace. I want God's love. I want God's grace to help me in spite of my sin. Whatever it may be. Anybody like that? On... The second or the last Sabbath of June, we're going to have another baptism. At least there are already two people ready. And you like to say, you know what? I really want to be serious about this grace thing. I want to be baptized and give my life over to Jesus. If that is you, I want you to see me after the end of this service. I want to talk to you and show you the path forward. But I hope you saw today where God is coming from. I hope you saw today what God is trying to do in your life. Every head is bowed. Every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Father God, we thank you because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, because of salvation, we can live beyond reality. Today, Lord, we embrace this new reality you have given to us because of the blood of Jesus. And today, Lord, we appreciate what you're about to do. For somebody who is disappointed, Lord, please help them to trust you more. For somebody who is in sin today, I pray that they may purchase grace And for somebody who is saying, I want to join Jesus in baptism, I pray you give them the courage to walk and to do this. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you, Father, for your care. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. God bless you. 
You see, I know that that word spoke to you and it resonated with you at some point and you would like to respond to it. And I want to let you know that you can do that right now. Perhaps you want to do Bible studies to know more about Jesus Christ. Perhaps you want to be baptized. Perhaps you just want to recommit your life to Jesus. Please text us on the number on the screen. I'll be more than happy to respond to you and to your needs. May God bless you and take care of you. And I must see you very soon.